hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. Um, yeah, so I'm Carly Santee, as um, has already been said. <laughs> Came through with YWAM just a few weeks ago, and clearly I'm still here. Um, and that's because God has actually led me to stay and serve long-term as a missionary here in New Zealand, which is very exciting. Um, and Ruby and Jeremy have just been so kind to open up their home and host me for a few weeks before I transition up to the, the North Island next week to join a ministry up there. Um, but today, it is my honor to share my testimony with you guys for how God saved me. Um, yeah, and I'll just start with a quick prayer and then I'll just jump right in. Um, so God, thank you, thank you so much for who you are, for the truth that you are the same God, you are the same God that saved me, you are the same God today as you were the day that I cried out to you. And God, <laughs> I just thank you for your presence, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak today that it wouldn't be up here, me up here, but it would be your spirit, that you would speak to those who need to hear you, Lord, that you would meet people, that you would counter hearts, and that you would offer revelation today, and that my story would just be, it would just be for your glory today, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I grew up in Ashland, Oregon, um, so it's kind of fun being in Ashburton, New Zealand now. Um, and I grew up uh, with my mom, mostly just my mom as a single mother. I have a twin brother. Uh, my brother or my father was in and out of the picture. And like many people, I grew up in a broken home. Um, my parents were both alcoholics and struggled with various mental health conditions. Um, and, you know, they did the best with what they could and with what they knew, but it's also true that childhood was often painful and lonely for me. Um, the best way to describe it was, um, you know, my father was volatile, he was violent, my mother was emotionally vacant, and it just really felt like being orphaned by a glass wall. Um, and so I grew up not knowing what it was to belong, to be seen or be known. And so that created a lot of emptiness inside of me. Right, so growing up, um, fortunately, out of the many options that I could have chosen from to try to fill this emptiness, I chose school. So I was a nerd, I was very studious, um, and that was a blessing. Um, so I, I graduated high school, I went to university, um, and if you would have asked me about my life at the time, I would have told you that my life was full. Right? I was learning, I was researching, I was traveling. Uh, university was really a, a dream for me, um, a dream to fulfill or to um, escape my familial realities, because by the time I had graduated, I had completely estranged myself from my mother. I could only barely keep myself talking to my brother, and I'd lost my father to suicide. And at this point in my life, I was simply unconcerned with the existence of God. Um, part of that was exposure. My parents didn't have a faith. They never talked about God. Uh, so God to me was religion, and religion was just another academic subject. Um, and another reason why was that I had learned to survive my life by completely disconnecting from my heart. And of course, the heart is where God is written, right? Um, after I graduated, though, 
I entered into a deep depression, and I started living a life of cycles. So I would start a job only to quickly quit it, and I would start a grad school application only to never submit it, and I would date the same kind of men only to experience the same relationship end, and it was like I just kept putting the same terrible movie on repeat, and I could not stop it. So finally, I realized I needed help, um, and so I started therapy, and therapy asked me to begin grieving, and grieving asks you to reconnect to your heart, right? And so as I was grieving, I began experiencing these energetic releases. Um, and the, these were explained to me as stored up emotional trauma leaving the body. And so those led me to the concept of chakras. And chakras led me to the concept of spirit and odd synchronicities began to happen. I began noticing an overwhelming number of recurring signs, symbols, and messages as if I were being pursued by a divine intelligence. And then at the same time, I was invited to church for the first time. And I went from having almost no friends to all of a sudden being surrounded by all Christian friends. And so this question of God's existence that I had just previously ignored now seemed to be aggressively presented to me. Um, and there was a week near the beginning of all this where I woke up one morning and I thought, there must be a God. And the reason why was the sucking emptiness I'd felt my entire life, what I actually called my black hole at the time, seemed to have gone. And I thought that could only be removed through the power of God. And a number of things happened that week. I just want to share three of them. So I went to church for the first time. I bought my first tarot deck. And I got a tattoo. Um, I know, random, very random, but uh, stick with me. I'll connect those three things in the end. Um, and the tattoo was actually from the tarot deck. And it was the symbol of the first tarot card I'd ever seen. And that symbol had returned to me that week. And for me, it represented this embodied experience of encountering the power of God through no longer feeling empty. And that symbol was a red thread. And I want to share a quote from that card. Again, it'll make more sense in the end. But something that card said was, you may think you have to find the thread and pull it. Imagine, though, that it's already tied around you, waiting for you to follow it home. And so this experience um, jump-started a year of straddling what felt like this chasm between Christianity and New Age spirituality. And I really was walking two roads at the same time, right? The first week I went to church was the same week I bought my first tarot deck, and the week I got my Bible was the same week I received my first past life memory, and I was reading Mere Christianity, while also you know, studying astrology and shamanic journeying, and I was in church every week, while also pursuing past life regrets past life regressions and psychic readings. Um, if you don't understand half of that, that is good. Um, that is good. Uh, just know that the point is that I went really, I went hard and I went deep into the spiritual very, very quickly. Um, but I always knew as I was navigating this, I always knew that these two streams of belief were contrary, right? Like I always knew that at some point I had to make a choice between the two. And after about a year of indecision, I chose the new age road. And one reason why was I had made a friend who not only shared these beliefs, but who also shared the same past life memories. And so we did what friends do, right? Especially what women friends do. We shared poetry and dreams and memories and wounds and worries. And throughout our sharing, 
the synchronicities were astounding. We thought we must have known each other in a past life. We must have known each other through many lives. And as we were um, sharing these things, a question continually kept coming up. And that question was, were we meant to be more than friends? And we were both resistant, not because we were women, because at the time, sexuality was a question for us both, um, but because she was married. And so we, the question would come up, and we would say, no, we're going to just stay friends. But that question came up again and again and again, and each time, it really felt more and more difficult to defend. And the messages we were getting were, you two are fated, you two are destined, this has been divinely planned. But that plan came with a supernatural amount of confusion and obsession, the reason why being we were each confiding in and consulting with a third party. We each believed that third party was God. It was not. Wow. Yeah. And while we were navigating these feelings, um, I was diving deeper into astrology and I was using tarot cards daily and I was meditating for visions and journeying to speak with spirits and I was obsessing over tracking every sign and deciphering my past lives and discovering the future of this life. And as I was doing this, both my mind and my body were becoming very unstable. Uh, my mind, because I was so often leaving reality to connect to the spirit realm, and my body, because it was being wrecked by these energetic releases as they increased in frequency and intensity. Um, an energetic release doesn't really do them justice, so I'll try to explain. Um, we all feel our emotions physically, right? Like when we get angry, our heads get hot, and we get sad, we feel heavy, and when we feel shame, we get nauseating twists in our belly. Well, imagine if that twist kept twisting and something in you ruptured and a geyser shot up and out your throat. Sounds painful, right? It was. Sounds unnatural, right? It was. Um, but in the space that I was in, I was learning the body speaks, you must allow its release. And there's truth there, but I've now learned that the body should not plead. So if you haven't guessed it yet, um, this all culminated in me losing my mind <laughs> to an entity that was not me. So one week I just, I found myself so overwhelmingly confused and I became so angry with my friend and I started to feel manipulated and resentful and hateful. And over the course of a few days, this all-consuming, murderous rage began coursing through me. And this voice was yammering in my head and it sounded like me. But at some point I realized I couldn't stop it, I couldn't pause it, I couldn't redirect it, I couldn't even engage with it. And it started with questions and accusations and it culminated with, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. But there seemed to be two minds in me because at the same time I was thinking, this is not okay, this is not safe. And I began to pray, God, if this is me, if this is who I am, I can't live. And so eventually I decided I've got to get to the woods. Um, and um, it's a long story as to why, but get to the woods when you're crying out to God, I guess. Um, so I drove to the trailhead that night and what I told myself was, I can't go home until I want to live again. 
And so I began rage hiking and I reached a peak on the trail and I sat down and I began crying out to God and this primal wail came out of me. And I begged God repeatedly, please God, please kill me. And eventually, after a few hours, God responded. And what he told me was, the purpose of being with humans is to give and to receive love. That's it. And the first thing I thought was, oh, I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) Because God was humbling me with the simplicity of my existence, right? Because although my friend and I were distracted with a particular temptation, the bigger picture was that I had arrived at my own spiritual breaking through the pursuit of my own vanity and through clinging to the delusion that I could find the house of the Lord within humans. Right, that was why I could not break my cycles. So I began crying even harder, (laughs) and I began begging God for forgiveness. And God told me, you can be forgiven, but you must forgive yourself first. And slowly, my weeping subsided, And I started to feel cold, and I realized that the hot rage and the hateful voice had left me, and I started to feel fearful of being out in the woods in the middle of the night, so I thought, that must mean I want to live again, right? And so I went home, and the next morning I began burning, burying, or throwing away everything that was associated with that life. I said goodbye to my friend, and I began desperately praying and reading my Bible every day and leading on my Christian community that so beautifully held me. And a week later, I went to church and my pastor preached on Peter denying Jesus three times. And that story ends with Peter breaking down and weeping. And my pastor told us, it is a righteous thing to grieve the depths of your sin. Because from the moment I repented in the woods, I felt evil, utterly evil. And my pastor said those words and I just began sobbing as I felt God's loving presence over me. And what I heard him say was, how many times do I have to tell you that I love you? How many times do I have to tell you that I love you? Because for some of us, the last barrier to being saved is just allowing ourselves to be loved. Right, so that day I forgave myself by accepting Christ's forgiveness and immediately my mind stabilized, and my body stopped pleading, and my heart has received healing that is beyond comprehending. And today I truly am a new creation. Um, The first few weeks after I was saved though, um, were quite confusing because, you know, my heart was clear, but my mind was very foggy. God was literally unraveling false beliefs out of my mind. Um, and there was one day, just, I, was, I was so confused, and I could, I could feel the unbelief like physically creeping up. And I began praying, God, please help me with my unbelief. And God responded by reminding me of a song that I'd heard at church, and he just reminded me of two words, which were crimson thread. And so I googled crimson thread worship song. And so what I discovered was the crimson thread, the scarlet thread, the red thread, 
is a symbol for how Christ's redemption is woven throughout the entire biblical story. Right? He's woven throughout every human story. And in that moment, what God was telling me was, fear not. I redeemed you before you ever knew you needed me to. I have always called you my name. You have always been mine. Welcome home. Yeah. So I hope my story is a testimony of God's sovereignty, of his goodness, of his redemption, of his pursuing love and his rescuing grace. And while there was quite clearly a spiritual contending over my life, what I want to note more is that what drove me that deep was actually my emptiness underneath. And the truth was that my heart was desperate for a home, and my heart was desperate to answer the two most fundamental questions of my belonging, who I was and whose I was. Right, and I was deluded into believing that someone or something outside of God could be the answer to those things. Fortunately though, in my greatest moment of need, the only thing I did right, the only thing I did right, was recognized that the only one that could help me was the God who knew me, right? So Psalm 118.5 says, out of my distress I called on the Lord, the Lord answered me and set me free. So in my greatest moment of distress, I didn't cry out for my own strength, I didn't cry out to be rescued for someone else. I didn't continue chasing my sin, praying that somehow I'd turn up with something different. But instead, I cried out to a God greater than all of these things. And I didn't even yet call him by the right name, right? I didn't even call him by the name of Jesus, but he blessed my recognition of my need and his sovereignty, and he blessed my recognition of his character as the God who hears, the God who sees, the God who saves, and the God who frees. And as I've continued my walk with God, I've learned to continually ask myself, what is my heart crying out for? You know, is it approval, is it admiration, is it achievement, is it a job, is it a partner, is it a family, is it a home, whatever it might be, you know, none of these things are bad, but I've learned to always remember that none of these things are God. And while it is God's goodness to place desires in our hearts so that he can fulfill them, it is God's design that we should never be desperate for anything other than him. Because desperation for the world does lead to emptiness and it does lead to sin. But desperation in his kingdom by design, leads to him. Because our, good, our God, as a good father, right? he knows what we need, he knows who we are, he knows whose we are, we are his, and remembering that is our freedom. Right? So Romans, sorry, in his goodness, as his children, he doesn't even require us to recognize that in our own strength. He doesn't even require us to call out to him in our own strength, right? If we look at Romans 8, 14 through 15, it says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Right, so it is his spirit within us that cries out for us. Right, for our father who loves us, for our father who cares for us, for our father who claims us as his. What an immeasurable gift, right? And yeah, so if you've, if you've heard my story today, I just, and you've asked yourself or you've felt pulled at all to ask, if you've realized you've been desperate for anything outside of God, right? If you've believed that the lie, the lie that this world could define or fulfill you more than God, then I invite you to just lean on the spirit that's already inside you, right? By the strength and the grace of the spirit that lives in you, you can surrender those things and you can just return to the identity and the fulfillment that your father's already freely given you. Right? And if you're here and you've never claimed yourself to be a child of God, if you've never accepted the good news of Jesus, his finished work on the cross and what he died to freely give you, if your heart is crying out to come home today, you can do that simply by believing it, right? Just believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. And just an encouragement for you know, the believers in the room, those who do know that you are a child of God. You are a child of God, you have a home in God, you have a father in God who hears and who is himself the answer to every cry your heart could ever make. And I pray today that the Spirit would cement that in your heart and that in your time of need that you would remember that you have a God who hears, who sees, who saves, and who frees. Yes. Thank you. That's a story that I'm excited to be able to come back and listen to in the in second service. <laughs> wow. There are so many questions I have you, like, you're hanging around for a while, <laughs> eh? yeah. 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 Ruby just want to turn off her mic in case she says, um, was that all right? And I'm so <laughs> Man, uh, totally impacted. Um, and what I think stands out to me so much is when you are searching for God and especially when you're walking um, in you know new age or looking for other options the pursuit of that if when and I'll talk about myself the pursuit of that as I recall what it was like for me and as I heard in your story Carly I'm sitting there thinking do I pursue God now as much as I pursued the new age realm when I was walking and, and searching. And I understand that there's a change and, um, you know, in the pursuit and then when you're walking in, in um, your understanding of who God is. But it made me think, man, in those times, I was really hungry for answers and where is my hunger now? Because I don't have all the answers and I still am searching for further revelation and deeper truth and, and greater knowing of who I am in him. But is my hunger still there? And um, I'm just so excited that you were able to start Spirit Wars, which is our, our new um, sermon series.
And if anything that Carly's spoken um, and shared of today, and perhaps where your pursuit is, or your understanding, or where you're wanting to walk into, we'd really, really love to be able to pray for you this morning. It's as beautiful and simple as someone praying with you. It's as beautiful and simple as being in relationship with God and each other. And that is why we always like to be able to pray for people because it is so important to know that you are not doing this journey on your own. It's so important to know that there are people around you. It's so important to know that God has a plan and a purpose and it involves, could be the person that you're sitting beside this morning. So if you'd like to stand... We'll um, pray, and um, I'm sure Carly will pray if anyone wants prayer this morning as well. Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are with us in every moment of every season of our lives. I thank you, Father, that you pursue us so relentlessly, and you never stop. Father, I thank you for um, the word that has been shared and spoken to our hearts. I thank you, Father, for Carly's story and the truth and the pursuit that you chased after her. Father, for every person in this room who senses your presence or who is wondering what even this means, Lord, I pray for your goodness, for your hand upon them. Father, for you to strengthen them and draw them to you in a new and fresh way. Father, bless our connection with one another. Thank you that it has been rich and true with you this morning. We ask you to watch over every person as they go about their week. And thank you, Father, that you are chasing after us, that you are beside us, and goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been great to be with you this morning. Enjoy connection with one another. Thank you, Carly. I'm looking forward to service two, um, and we'll see you next week.